Okay, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On today's show, it's going to be part two of the Missouri v. Biden suit that uh, the decision was made for the preliminary injunction on July 4th, 2023. And so I'm titling this Missouri v. Biden preliminary injunction granted July 4th, 2023. William Ramsey reads the memorandum ruling on request for preliminary injunction. So this is the memo attached to the seven-page injunction. So I'll uh, pick up where I left off in part one. At the July 15th, 2021 press conference, Murthy described health misinformation as one of the biggest obstacles to ending the pandemic, insisted that his advisory was on an urgent public health threat, and stated that misinformation poses an imminent threat to the nation's health and takes away the freedom to make informed decisions. Murthy further stated that health disinformation is false, inaccurate, or misleading, based upon the best evidence at the time. Murthy also stated that people who question mask mandates and decline vaccinations are following misinformation, which results in illnesses and death. Murthy placed specific blame on social media platforms for allowing poison to spread and further called for an all-of-society approach to fight health misinformation. Murthy called upon social media platforms to operate with greater transparency and accountability to monitor information more clearly and to consistently take action against misinformation super spreaders on their platforms. Notably, Waldo agreed in his deposition that the word accountable carries with it the threat of consequences. Murthy further demanded social media platforms do much, much more and take aggressive action against misinformation because the failure to do so is costing people their lives. Murthy's July 15th, 2021 health advisory on misinformation blames social media platforms for the spread of misinformation at an unprecedented speed, and it blames social media features and algorithms for furthering the spread. The health advisory further called for social media platforms to enact policy changes to reduce the spread of misinformation, including appropriate legal and regulatory measures. Under a heading titled What Technology Platforms Can Do, the health advisory called for platforms to take a series of steps to increase and enable greater social media censorship of misinformation, including product changes, changing algorithms to avoid amplifying misinformation, building in frictions to reduce the sharing of information, and practicing the early detection of misinformation super spreaders, along with other measures. The consequences for mis misinformation would include flagging problematic posts, suppressing the spread of the information, suspension, and permanent deplatforming. The Office of the Surgeon General collaborated and partnered with the Stanford University Internet Observatory in the Virality Project. Murthy participated in a January 15, 2021 launch of the Virality Project. In his comments, Murthy told the group, we're asking technology companies to operate with great transparency and accountability so that misinformation does not continue to poison our sharing platforms. And we knew the government can play an important role too. Murthy expressly mentioned his coordination with DiResta at the Virality Project and expressed his intention to maintain that collaboration. He claimed that he had learned a lot from the Virality Project's work and thanked the Virality Project for being such a great partner. Murthy also stated that the Office of the Surgeon General had been partnered with the Stanford Internet Observatory for many months. After President Biden's their killing people comment on July 16th, 2021, Facebook representatives had sad faces, according to Waldo. On July 21st, 2021, Facebook emailed Waldo and Fullenweider with crowd-tangled data and with interventions that created frictions with regard to COVID misinformation.
The interventions also included limiting forwarding of WhatsApp messages, placing warning labels on fact-checked content, and creating friction when someone tries to share these posts on Facebook. Facebook also reported other censorship policy and actions, including censoring content that contributes to the risk of imminent physical harm, permanently banning pages and groups and accounts that repeatedly broke Facebook's COVID-19 misinformation rules, and reducing the reach, reach of posts, pages, groups, and accounts that share other false claims that do not violate our policies but may present misleading or sensationalized information about COVID-19 and vaccines. On July 16th, 2021, Clegg emailed Murthy and stated, I know our teams met today to better understand the scope of what the White House expects of us on misinformation going forward. On July 18th, 2021, Clegg messaged Murthy stating, I imagine you and your team are feeling a little aggrieved, as is the Facebook team. It's not great to be accused of killing people. But as I said by email, I'm keen to find a way to de-escalate and work together collaboratively. I am available to meet, speak whenever suits. As a result of this communication, a meeting was scheduled for July 23rd, 2021. At the July 23rd, 2021 meeting, the Office of the Surgeon General officials were concerned about understanding the reach of Facebook's data. Clegg even sent a follow-up email after the meeting to make sure Murthy saw the steps Facebook had been taking to adjust policies with respect to misinformation and to further address the disinfo dozen. Clegg also reported that Facebook had expanded the group of false claims that we remove to keep up with recent trends of misinformation that we are seeing. Further, Facebook also agreed to do more to censor COVID misinformation, to make its internal data on misinformation available to federal officials, to report back to the Office of the Surgeon General, and to strive to do all we can to meet our shared goals. Evidently, the promised information had not been sent to the Office of the Surgeon General by August 6, 2021, so the office requested the information in a report within two weeks. The information entitled How We're Taking Action Against Vaccine Misinformation Super Spreaders was later sent to the Office of the Surgeon General. It detailed a list of censorship action taken against the disinformation dozen. Clegg followed up with an August 20th, 2021 email with a section entitled Limiting Potentially Harmful Misinformation, which detailed more efforts to censor COVID-19 misinformation. Facebook continued to report back to Waldo and Flaherty with updates on September 19th and 29th of 2021. Waldo asked for similar updates from Twitter, Instagram, and Google YouTube. The Office of the Surgeon General also collaborated with the Democratic National Committee. Flaherty emailed Murthy on July 19th, 2021 to put Murthy in touch with Gior Craig from the Democratic National Committee who worked on misinformation and disinformation issues. Craig and Murthy set up a Zoom meeting for July 22nd, 2021. After an October 28th, 2021 Washington Post article stated that Facebook researchers had deep knowledge about how COVID-19 and vaccine misinformation ran through Facebook's apps, Murphy, Murthy issued a series of tweets from his official Twitter account indicating he was deeply disappointed to read the story that health misinformation had harmed people's health and cost lives, and that we must demand Facebook and the rest of the social media e ecosystems take responsibility for stopping health misinformation on their platforms. Murthy further tweeted that we need transparency and accountability now. On October 29th, 2021, Facebook asked federal officials to provide a federal health contract to dictate what contact, content would be censored on Facebook's platforms. Federal officials informed Facebook that federal health authority that could dictate what content could be censored as misinformation 
was the CDC. Murthy continued to publicly chastise social media platforms for allowing health misinformation to be spread on their platforms. Murthy made statements on the following platforms. December 21st, 2021 podcast threatening to hold social media platforms accountable for not censoring misinformation. A January 3rd, 2022 podcast with Alyssa Milano stating that platformers need to step up to be accountable for making their spaces safer. In a February 14th, 2022 panel discussion hosted by the Rockefeller Foundation, wherein they discussed that technology platforms enabled the speed, scale, and sophistication with which this misinformation was spreading. On March 3rd, 2022, the Office of the Surgeon General issued a formal request for information, or an RFI, published in the Federal Register seeking information from social media platforms and others about the spread of misinformation. The RFI indicated that the Office of the Surgeon General was expanding attempts to control the spread of misinformation on social media and other technology platforms. The RFI also sought information about censorship policies, how they were enforced, and information about disfavored speakers. The RFI was sent to Facebook, Google, YouTube, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Microsoft by Matt Lesko, Murthy's chief of staff, requesting responses from these social media platforms. Murthy again restated social media platforms' responsibility to reduce the spread of misinformation in an in- interview with GQ magazine. Murthy also specifically caught up, called upon Spotify to censor health information. That's Joe Rogan. C, CDC defendants. This is... Uh, Uh, Walensky, a monster. Crawford is the director for the Division of Digital Media within the CDC office for the Associate Director of Communications. Her deposition was taken pursuant to preliminary injunction-related discovery here. The CDC is a component of the Department of Health and Human Services. Javier Becerra is the secretary of HHS. Crawford's division provides leadership for CDC's web presence, and Crawford, as director, determines strategy and objectives, and oversees its general work. Crawford was the main point of contact for communications between the CDC and social media platforms. Prior to the COVID-19 pandemic, Crawford only had limited contact with social media platforms, but she began having regular contact post-pandemic, beginning in February and March of 2020. Crawford communicated with these platforms via email, phone, and meetings. Facebook emailed State Department officials on February 6, 2020, that it had taken proactive and reactive steps to control information and misinformation related to COVID-19. The email was forwarded to Crawford, who re-forwarded her contacts on Facebook. Facebook proposed to Crawford that it would create a coronavirus page that would give information from trusted sources, including the CDC. Crawford accepted Facebook's proposal on February 7, 2020 and suggested the CDC may want to address widespread myths on the platform. Facebook began sending Crawford Crowd Tangle reports on January 25th, 2021. Crowd Crowd Tangle is a social media listening tool for Meta, which shows themes of discussion on social media channels. These reported on top engaged COVID and vaccine-related content overall across pages and groups. This crowd tangle report was sent by Facebook to Crawford in response to a prior conversation with Crawford. The CDC had privileged access to crowd tangle since early 2020. Facebook emailed Crawford on March 3rd, 2020, that it intended to support the government in its response to the coronavirus, including a goal to remove certain information. 
Crawford and Facebook began having discussions about misinformation with Facebook in the fall of 2020, including discussions of how to combat misinformation. The CDC used CrowdTangle, along with Meltwater reports used for all platforms, to monitor social media's themes of discussion across platforms. Crawford recalls generally discussing misinformation with Facebook. Crawford added Census Bureau officials to the distribution list for CrowdTangle reports because the Census Bureau was going to begin working with CDC on misinformation issues. On January 27, 2021, Facebook sent Crawford a recurring invite to a Facebook weekly sync with CDC. A number of Facebook and CDC officials were included in the invite, and the CDC could invite other agencies as needed. The CDC had weekly meetings with Facebook. On March 10, 2021, Crawford sent Facebook an email seeking information about themes that have been removed for misinfo. The CDC questioned if Facebook had info on the types of posts that were removed. Crawford was aware that the White House and the HHS were also receiving similar information from Facebook. The HHS was present at meetings with social media companies on March 1st, 2021, and on April 22nd, 21st, 2021. On March 25th, 2021, Crawford and other CDC officials met with Facebook. In an email by Facebook prior to that meeting, Facebook stated it would present on COVID-19 misinformation and have various persons present, present, including a misinformation manager and a content manager official, Liz Lagone. Crawford responded, attaching a PowerPoint slide deck, stating, this is a deck census would like to discuss, and we'd also like to fit in a discussion of topic types removed from Facebook. Crawford also indicated two Census Bureau officials, Schwartz and Shopcorn, would be present, as well as two Census Bureau contractors, Sam Huxley and Christopher Lewitsky. The deck the Census Bureau wanted to discuss contained an overview of misinformation topics and included concerns about infertility, misinformation about side effects, and claims about vaccines leading to deaths. For each topic, the deck included sample slides and a statement from the CDC debunking the allegedly erroneous claim. Crawford admits she began engaging in weekly meetings with Facebook, and emails verify that the CDC and Facebook were repeatedly discussing misinformation back and forth. The weekly meetings involved Facebook's content mediation teams. Crawford mainly inquired about how Facebook was censoring COVID-19 misinformation in these meetings. The CDC entered into an intra-agency agreement, an IAA, with the Census Bureau to help advise on misinformation. The IAA required that the Census Bureau provide reports to the CDC on misinformation that the Census Bureau tracked on social media. To aid in this endeavor, Crawford asked Facebook to allow the Census Bureau to be added to CrowdTangle. After the March 2021 weekly meetings between Facebook, the CDC, and Census Bureau began, Crawford began to press Facebook on removing and or suppressing misinformation. In particular, she stated, the CDC would like to have more info about what is being done on the amplification side, and the CDC is still interested in more info on how you view or analyze the data on removals. Further, Crawford noted, it looks like the posts from last week's deck about infertility and side effects have all been removed. Were these evaluated by the moderation team or taken down for another reason? Crawford also questioned Facebook about the crowd tangle report showing local news coverage of deaths after receiving the vaccine and questioned what Facebook's approach is for adding labels to those stories. Wow. 
On April 13th, 2021, Facebook emailed Crawford to propose enrolling CDC and Census Bureau officials in a special misinformation reporting channel. This would include five CDC officials and four Census Bureau officials. The portal was only provided to federal officials. On April 23rd, 2021, and again on April 28th, Crawford emailed Facebook about a Wyoming Department of Health report, noting that the algorithms that Facebook and other social media networks are using to screen out postings of sources of vaccine misinformation were also screening out valid public health messages. On May 6, 2021, Crawford emailed Facebook a table containing a list of 16 specific postings on Facebook and Instagram that contained misinformation. Crawford stated in her deposition that she knew when she flagged content for Facebook, they would evaluate and possibly censor the content. Crawford stated CDC's goal in flagging information for Facebook was to be sure people that have credible health information so that they can make the correct health decisions. Crawford continued to flag and send misinformation posts to Facebook, and on May 19th, 2021, Crawford provided Facebook with 12 specific claims. Facebook began to rely on Crawford and the CDC to determine whether claims were true or false. Crawford began providing the CDC with scientific information for Facebook to use to determine whether to remove or reduce and inform. Facebook was relying on the CDC's scientific information to determine whether statements made on its platform were true or false. The CDC would respond to debunk claims if it had an answer. These included issues like whether COVID-19 had a 99.96 survival rate, whether COVID-19 vaccines cause Bell's palsy, whether people who are receiving COVID-19 vaccines are subject to medical experiments. Facebook content mediation officials would contact Crawford to determine whether statements made on Facebook were true or false. Because Facebook's content moderation policy called for Facebook to remove claims that are false and can lead to harm, Facebook would remove and or censor, censor claims the CDC itself said were false. Questions by Facebook to the CDC related to this content moderation included whether spike proteins in COVID-19 vaccines are dangerous and whether Guillain-Barre syndrome or heart inflammation is a possible side effect of the COVID-19 vaccine. Crawford normally referred Facebook to CDC subject matter experts or responded to the CDC's view on these scientific questions. Facebook continued to send the CDC bi-weekly CrowdTangle content insight reports, which included trending topics such as door-to-door vaccines, vaccine side effects, vaccine refusal, vaccination lawsuits, proof of vaccination requirement, COVID-19 and unvaccinated individuals, COVID-19 mandates, vaccinating children, and allowing people to return to religious services. On August 19th, 2021, Facebook asked Crawford for a Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, VAERS, meeting for the CDC to give Facebook guidance on how to address VAERS-related misinformation. The CDC was concerned about VAERS-related misinformation because users were citing VAERS data and reports to raise concerns about the safety of vaccines, vaccines in ways the CDC found to be misleading. Crawford and the CDC followed up by providing written materials for Facebook to use. The CDC eventually had a meeting with Facebook about VAERS-related misinformation and provided two experts for this issue. On November 2, 2021, a Facebook content moderation official reached out to the CDC to obtain clarity on whether the COVID-19 vaccine was harmful to children. This was following the FDA's emergency 
use authorization or EUA related to the COVID-19 vaccine. In addition to the EUA issue for children, Facebook identified other claims it sought clarity on regarding childhood vaccines and vaccine refusals. The following Monday, November 8th, 2021, Crawford followed up with a response from the CDC, which addressed seven of the 10 claims Facebook had asked the CDC to evaluate. The CDC rated six of the claims false and stated that any of these false claims could cause vaccine refusal. The questions the CDC rated as false were, one, COVID-19 vaccines weaken the immune system. Two, COVID-19 vaccines cause autoimmune disease. Three, antibody-dependent enhancement, ADE, is the side effect of COVID-19 vaccines. Four, COVID-19 vaccines cause acquired immunodeficiency syndrome. Five, breast milk from a vaccinated parent is harmful to babies and children. Six, COVID-19 vaccines cause multi-system inflammatory syndrome in children. So everything they said was false is actually true. Wow. 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 That's incredible. That was from uh, November 8th, 2021. CDC, they know it. <sighs> on February 3rd, 2022, Facebook gained again asked the CDC for clarification on whether a list of claims were false and whether the claims, if believed, could contribute to vaccine refusals. The list included whether COVID-19 vaccines cause ulcers or neurodegenerative diseases such as Huntington's and Parkinson's disease. The FDA's possible future issuance of an EUA to children six months to four years of age and questions about whether the COVID-19 vaccine causes death, heart attacks, autism, birth defects, and many others. In addition to its communications with Facebook, the CDC and Census Bureau also had involvement with Google YouTube. On March 18th, 2021, Crawford emailed Google with the subject line, COVID Misinfo Project. Crawford informed Google that the CDC was now working with the Census Bureau, who had been meeting with Google regularly, and wanted to set up a time to talk and discuss the COVID misinfo project. According to Crawford, the previous Census Bureau project referred to the census's work on combating 2020 census misinformation. On March 23, 2021, Crawford sent a calendar invite for a March 24, 2021 meeting, which included Crawford and five other CDC employees, four Census Bureau employees, and six Google YouTube officials. At the March 24, 2021 meeting, Crawford presented a slide deck similar to the one prepared for the Facebook meeting. The slide deck was entitled COVID Vaccine Misinformation Issue Overview and included issues like infertility, side effects, and deaths. The CDC and the Census Bureau denied that COVID-19 vaccines resulted in infertility, caused serious side effects, or resulted in deaths. On March 29, 2021, Crawford followed up with Google about using their regular 4 p.m. meetings to go over things with the census. Crawford recalled that the census was asking for regular meetings with platforms specifically focused on misinformation. Crawford also noted that the reference to the 4 p.m. meeting refers to regular biweekly meetings with Google, which continues to the present day. Crawford also testified she had similar regular meetings with Meta and Twitter and previously had regular meetings with Pinterest. Crawford stated these meetings were mostly about things other than misinformation, but misinformation was discussed at the meetings. On May 10th, 2021, Crawford emailed Facebook to establish, establish COVID BOLO, be on the lookout meetings. Google and YouTube were included. Crawford ran the BOLO meetings, and the Census Bureau official arranged the meetings and prepared the slide deck for each meeting. The first BOLO meeting was held on May 14th, 2021. 
The slide deck for the meeting was entitled COVID Vaccine Misinformation Hot Topics and included five hot topics with a bullet note for each topic. The five topics were the vaccines causing shedding, a report made on VAERS that a two-year-old child died from the vaccine, other alleged misleading information on VAERS reports, statements that vaccines were bioweapons, part of a depopulation scheme, or contain microchips, and misinformation about the eligibility of 12 to 15-year-old children for the vaccine. All were labeled as false by the CDC, and the potential impact of the public, the potential impact on the public was a reduction of vaccine acceptance. The second BOLO meeting was held May 28, 2021. The second meeting also contained a slide deck with a list of three hot topics to BOLO, that the Moderna vaccine was unsafe, that vaccine ingredients can cause people to become magnetic, and that the vaccines, vaccines cause infertility or fertility-related issues in men. All were labeled false by the CDC and possibly impacted reduced vaccine acceptance. A third BOLO meeting was scheduled for June, 20, June 18, 2021, was canceled due to the new Juneteenth holiday. However, Crawford sent the slide deck for the meeting. The hot topics for this meeting were that vaccine particles accumulate in ovaries causing infertility, that vaccines contain microchips, and because of the risk of blood clots to vaccinated persons, airlines were discussing a ban. All were labeled as false. The goal of the BOLO meetings was to be sure credible information was out there and to flag the CDC flag information the CDC thought was not credible for potential removal. On September 2nd, 2021, Crawford emailed Facebook and informed them of a BOLO for a small but growing area of misinformation. One of the CDC's lab alerts was misinterpreted and shared via social media. The CDC defendants also had meetings and or communications with Twitter. On April 8th, 2021, Crawford sent an email stating she was Looking forward to setting up regular chats and ask for examples of misinformation, Twitter responded. On April 14th, 2021, Crawford sent an email to Twitter giving examples of misinformation topics, including that vaccines were not FDA approved, fraudulent cures, cures, VAERS data taken out of context, and infertility. The list was put together by the Census Bureau team. On May 10th, 2021, Crawford emailed Twitter to print out two areas of misinformation, which included copies of 12 tweets. Crawford informed Twitter about the May 14th, 2021 BOLO meeting and invited Twitter to participate. The examples of misinformation given at the meeting included vaccine shedding, that vaccines would reduce the population, abnormal bleeding, miscarriages for women, and that the government was lying about vaccines. In a response, Twitter stated that at least some of the examples had been reviewed and actioned. Crawford understood she was flagging posts for Twitter for possible censorship. Twitter additionally offered to enroll CDC officials in its partner support portal to provide expedited review of content flag for censorship. Crawford asked for instructions of how to enroll the par in the partnership support portal and provided her personal Twitter account to enroll. Crawford was fully enrolled on May 27, 2021. Census Bureau contractor Christopher Lewitsky also requested to enroll in the partner support portal. Crawford also sent Twitter a bolo for the alleged misinterpretation of a CDC lab report. Crawford testified in her deposition that the CDC has a strong interest in tracking what its constituents are saying on social media. Crawford also expressed concern that if content were censor censored and removed from social media platforms, government communicators 
would not know what the citizens' true concerns were. D, NIAID defendants. The NIAID is a federal agency under HHS. Dr. Fauci was previously the director of NIAID. Dr. Fauci's deposition was taken as part of the limited preliminary injunction discovery in this matter. Dr. Fauci had been the director of NIAID for over 38 years and became chief medical advisor to the president in early 2021. Dr. Fauci retired December 31st, 2022. One, lab leak theory. Plaintiffs set forth arguments that because NIAID had funded gain-of-function research at Dr. Fauci's direction at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, Wuhan Lab, in Wuhan, China, Dr. Fauci sought to suppress theories that the SARS-CoV-2 virus leaked from the Wuhan lab. Plaintiffs allege that Dr. Fauci's motive for suppressing the lab leak theory was a fear that Dr. Fauci and NIAID could be blamed for funding gain-of-function research that created the COVID-19 pandemic. Plaintiffs allege Dr. Fauci participated in a secret call with other scientists on February 1st, 2020, and convinced the scientists who were proponents of the lab leak theory to change their minds and advocate for the theory that the COVID-19 virus originated naturally. A few days after the February 1st, 2020 call, a paper entitled The Proximal Origin of COVID-19 was published by Nature Medicine on March 17th, 2020. The article concludes that SARS-CoV-2 was not created in a lab, but was rather naturally occurring. On February 2nd, 2020, Dr. Fauci told the other scientists that, given the concerns of so many people and the threat of further distortions on social media, it is essential that we move quickly. Hopefully we can get the WHO to convene. Dr. Fauci emailed Dr. Tedros of the WHO and two senior WHO officials, urging the WHO to quickly establish a working group to address the lab leak theory. Dr. Fauci stated they should appreciate the urgency and the importance of this issue given the gathering interest evident in the science literature and in mainstream and social media to the question of the origin of this virus. Dr. Fauci also stated WHO needed to get ahead of the narrative of this and not reacting to reports which could be very damaging. Numerous drafts of the proximal origin of COVID-19 were sent to Dr. Fauci to review prior to the article being published in Nature Medicine. On February 9th, 2020, in a joint podcast with Dr. Peter Daszak of the EcoHealth Alliance, both Drs. Fauci and Daszak discredited the lab leak theory, calling it a conspiracy theory. Three authors of the proximal origins of SARS-CoV-2, Robert Gary, Christian Anderson, and Ian Lipkin, received grants from NIH in recent years. After the proximal origins of SARS-CoV-2 was completed and published in Nature Medicine, Dr. Fauci began discrediting the lab leak theory. This study leaves little room to refute the natural origin for COVID-19. It's a shining object, lab leak theory, that will go away in times. At an April 17, 2020 press conference, when asked about the possibility of a lab leak, Dr. Fauci stated, there was a study recently that we can make available to you where a group of highly qualified evolutionary virologists looked at the sequences there and the sequences in bats as they evolve and the mutations that it took to get to the point where it is now totally consistent with jump of, of a species from animal to a human. The proximal origin of SARS-CoV-2 has since become one of the most widely read papers in the history of science.
Twitter and Facebook censored the lab leak theory of COVID-19. However, Dr. Fauci claims he is not aware of any suppression of speech about the lab leak theory on social media, and he claims he does not have a Twitter or Facebook account. On March 15, 2020, Zuckerberg sent Dr. Fauci an email asking for coordination between Dr. Fauci and Facebook on COVID-19 messaging. Zuckerberg asked Dr. Fauci to create a video to be used on Facebook's coronavirus information hub with Dr. Fauci answering COVID-19 health questions and for Dr. Fauci to recommend a point person for the United States government to get its message out over the platform. Fauci responded the next day to, to Zuckerberg saying, Mark, your idea and proposal sounds terrific. We'd be happy to do a video for your hub. And your idea about PSAs is very exciting. Dr. Fauci did three live stream Facebook Q&As about COVID-19 with Zuckerberg. Two, hydroxychloroquine. Plaintiffs further allege that the NIAID and Department of HHS defendants suppressed speech on hydroxychloroquine. On May 22, 2020, The Lancet published an online article entitled Hydroxychloroquine or Chloroquine with or without a macrolide for treatment of COVID-19, a multinational registry analysis. The article purported to analyze 96,000 patients to compare persons who did and did not receive this treatment. The study concluded that hydroxychloroquine and chloroquine were associated with decreased in-hospital survival and an increased frequency of ventricular arrhythmias when used for treatment of COVID-19. Dr. Fauci publicly cited this study to claim that hydroxychloroquine is not effective against coronavirus. He then publicly began to discredit COVID-19 treatment with hydroxychloroquine and stated whether the treatment of COVID-19 by hydroxychloroquine was effective could only be judged by rigorous, randomized, double-blind, placebo-based studies. He testified the same on July 31, 2020, before the House Select Subcommittee on Coronavirus Crisis. When America's frontline doctors held a press conference criticizing the government's response to the COVID-19 pandemic and spouting the benefits of hydroxychloroquine in treating the coronavirus, Dr. Fauci made statements on Good Morning America and on Andrea Mitchell reports that hydroxychloroquine is not effective in treating the coronavirus. Social media platforms censored the America's frontline doctors' videos. Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube removed the video. Dr. Fauci does not deny that he or his staff at NIAID may have communicated with social media platforms, but he does not specifically recall it. Three, the Great Barrington Declaration. The GBD was published online on October 4th, 2020. The GBD was published by plaintiffs Dr. Bhattacharya of Stanford and Kulldorff of Harvard, along with Dr. Gupta of Oxford. The GBD is a one-page treatise opposing reliance on lockdowns and advocating for an approach to COVID-19 called focused protection. It criticized the social distancing and lockdown approaches endorsed by government experts. The authors expressed grave concerns about physical and mental health impacts of current government COVID-19 lockdown policies and called for an end to lockdowns. On October 8, 2020, Dr. Francis Collins emailed Dr. Fauci in Cliff Lane stating, Hi, Tony and Cliff, cgbddeclaration.org. This proposal from three fringe epidemiologists who met with the secretary seemed to be getting a lot of attention, and even a co-signature from Nobel Prize winner Mike Leavitt of Stanford. There needs to be a quick and devastating published takedown of its premises. I don't see anything like that online yet. Is it underway? Francis. That same day, Dr. Fauci wrote back to Dr. Collins stating, Francis, I am pasting in below a piece from Wired 
that debunks this theory best, Tony. Dr. Fauci and Dr. Collins followed up with a series of public media statements attacking the GBD. In, in a Washington Post story run on October 14, 2020, Dr. Collins described the GBD and its authors as fringe and dangerous. Dr. Fauci consulted with Dr. Collins before he talked to the Washington Post. Dr. Fauci also endorsed these comments in an email to Dr. Collins, stating, what you said was entirely correct. On October 15, 2020, Dr. Fauci called the GBD nonsense and dangerous. Dr. Fauci specifically stated, quite frankly, that is nonsense, and anybody who knows anything about epidemiology will tell you that is nonsense and very dangerous. Dr. Fauci testified, it's possible that he coordinated with Dr. Collins on his public statements attacking the GBD. Uh, Fauci had a burner phone like a criminal, by the way, which is uh, pretty interesting. Social media platforms began censoring the GBD shortly after. In October 2020, Google de-boosted the search results for the GBD so that when Google users Googled Great Barrington Declaration, they would be diverted to articles critical of the GBD and not to the GBD itself. Reddit removed links to the GBD. YouTube updated its terms of service regarding medical misinformation to prevent content, to prohibit content about vaccines that contradicted consensus from health authorities. Because the GBD went against a consensus from health authorities, its content was removed from YouTube. Facebook adopted the same policies on misinformation based upon public health authority recommendations. Dr. Fauci testified he could not recall anything about his involvement in seeking to squelch the GBD. NIAID and NIH staff sent several messages to social media platforms asking them to remove content lampooning or criticizing Dr. Fauci. When a Twitter employee reached out to CDC officials asking if a particular account associated with Dr. Fauci was real or not, Scott Prince of NIH responded, fake imposter handle, please remove. And an HHS official then asked Twitter if it could block similar parody accounts. Is there anything else you can also do to block other variation of his, Dr. Fauci's name, from impersonation so we don't have this occur again? Twitter replied, we will freeze this handle and some other variation so none can hop on them. On April 21st, 2020, Judith Lavelle of NIAID emailed Facebook, copying Scott Prince of NIH and Jennifer Ruth, and stated, we wanted to flag a few more fake Dr. Fauci accounts on Facebook and IG for you. I have reported them from NIAID and my personal Facebook account. Both Lavelle and Ruth are members of Dr. Fauci's communication staff. Six of the eight accounts listed were removed by Facebook the same day. On October 30th, 2020, an NIAID staffer wrote an email connect, connecting you, Google YouTube with Ruth so that NIAID and the Google team could connect on vaccine communication, specifically misinformation. Courtney Billett, director of the Office of Communications and Government Relations of NIAID, was added by Ruth, along with two other NIAID officials, to a communication chain with YouTube. Twitter disclosed that Dina Perry, a public affairs specialist for NIAID, communicates or has communicated with Twitter about misinformation and censorship. Dr. Fauci testified that he has never contacted a social media company and asked them to remove misinformation from one of their platforms. Four, Ivermectin. On September 13, 2021, Facebook emailed Carol Crawford of the CDC to ask whether the claim that Ivermectin is effective in treating COVID is false 
and if believed, could contribute to people refusing the vaccine or self-medicating. The CDC responded the next day and advised Facebook that the claim that ivermectin, ivermectin is effective and treating COVID is not accurate. The CDC cited the NIH's treatment guidelines for authority that the claims were not accurate. Five, mask mandates. Plaintiffs maintain that Dr. Fauci initially did not believe masks worked, but he changed his stance. A February 4th, 2020 email in which Dr. Fauci responded to an email from Sylvia Burwell stated that the typical mask you buy in a drugstore is not really effective in keeping out the virus, which is small enough to pass through mankind. Dr. Fauci stated that at the time, there were no studies of the efficacy of masking to stop the spread. On March 31st, 2020, Dr. Fauci forwarded studies showing that masking is ineffective. Plaintiffs allege that Dr. Fauci's position on masking changed dramatically on April 3rd, 2020, when he became an advocate for universal mask mandates. Dr. Fauci testified his position changed in part because evidence began accumulating that masks actually work in preventing acquisition and transmission, although Dr. Fauci could not identify those studies. Six, Alex Berenson. Alex Berenson was a former New York Times science reporter and critic of government messaging about COVID-19 vaccines. He was deplatformed from Twitter on August 28, 2021. Dr. Fauci had previously sought to discredit Berenson publicly during an interview with CNN. Dr. Fauci does not deny that he may have discussed Berenson with White House or federal officials, but does not recall specifically whether he did so. FBI Defendants The deposition of Elvis Chan was taken on November 29, 2021. Chan is the special assistant agent in charge of the cyber branch for the San Francisco division of the FBI. In this role, Chan was one of the primary people communicating with social media platforms about disinformation on behalf of the FBI. There are also other agents on different cyber squads, along with the FBI's private sector engagement squad, who relay information to social media platforms. Chan graduated from the Naval Postgraduate School in 2020 with an MA in Homeland Security Studies. His thesis was entitled Fighting Bears and Trolls, an analysis of social media companies and U.S. government efforts to combat Russian influence campaigns during the 2020 elections. His thesis focuses on information sharing between the FBI, Facebook, Google, and Twitter. Chan relied on research performed by persons and entities comprising the Election Integrity Partnership, including Graphica and DiResta of the Stanford Internet Observatory. Chan communicated directly with DiResta about Russian disinformation. Chan also knows Alex Stamos, the head of the Stanford Internet Observatory, from when Stamos worked for Facebook. Chan and Stamos worked together on malign foreign influence activities on Facebook. Chan stated that the FBI engages in information sharing with social media companies about content posted on their platform, which includes both strategic level information and tactical information. The FBI, along with Facebook, Twitter, Google, YouTube, Microsoft, Yahoo, Wiki Wikimedia Foundation, and Reddit, participate in a cybersecurity and infrastructure security agency, or CISA, CISA industry working group. Representatives of CISA, the Department of Homeland Security's Intelligence Analysis Division, the INA, the Office of Director of National Intelligence, the ODNI, the FBI's FITF, the Department of Justice National Security Division, and CHAN 
participate in these industry working groups. Chan participates in the meetings because most social media platforms are headquartered in San Francisco, and the FBI field offices are responsible for maintaining day-to-day -day relationships with the companies headquartered in its area of responsibility. Matt Masterson was the primary facilitator in the meetings for the 2022 election cycle, and Brian Scully was the primary facilitator ahead of the 2022 election. At the USG industry meetings, social media companies shared disinformation content, providing a strategic overview of the type of disinformation they were seeing. The FBI would then provide strategic unclassified overviews of things they were seeing from Russian actors. The industry meetings were continuing at the time of Chan's deposition was taken on November 23rd, 2022, and Chan assumes the meetings will continue through the 2024 election cycle. Chan also hosted bilateral meetings between FBI and Facebook, Twitter, Google YouTube, Yahoo Verizon, Microsoft LinkedIn, Wikimedia Foundation, and Reddit, and the Foreign Influence Task Force. In the industry meetings, the FBI raised concerns about the possibility of hack and dump operations during the 2020 election cycle. The bilateral meetings are continuing, occurring quarterly, but will increase to monthly and weekly near the elections. In the industry meetings, the FBI officials met, meet with senior, senior social media platforms in the trust and safety or site integrity role. These are the persons in charge of enforcing terms of service and current moderation policies. These meetings began as early as 2017. At the industry meetings, in addition to Chan and Laura Demlo, head of the FITF, between three and 10 FITF officials and as high as a dozen FBI agents are present. On September 4th, 2019, Facebook, Google, Microsoft, and Twitter, along with the FITF, ODNI, and CISA held a meeting to discuss, discuss election issues. Chan attended, along with Director Krebs, Masterson, and Scully. Social media's trust and safety on content moderation teams were also present. The focus of the meeting was to discuss with social media companies the spread of disinformation. Discovery obtained from LinkedIn contained 121 pages of emails between Chan and other FBI officials and LinkedIn officials. Chan testified he has a similar set of communications with other social media platforms. The FBI communicated with social media platforms using two alternative encrypted channels, Signal and Teleporter. For each election cycle, during the days immediately preceding and through election days, the FBI maintains a command center around the clock to receive and forward reports of disinformation and misinformation. The FBI requests that social media platforms have people available to receive and process the reports at all times. Before the Hunter Biden laptop story breaking prior to the 2020 election on October 14, 2020, the FBI and other federal officials repeatedly warned industry participants to be alert for hack and dump and or hack and leak operations. Demlo also mentioned the possibility of hack and dump operations. Additionally, the prospect of a hack and dump operations was repeatedly raised at FBI-led meetings with FITF and the social media companies in, in addition to the industry meetings. Social media platforms updated their policies in 2020 to provide that posting hacked materials would violate their policies. According to Chan, the impetus for these changes was their repeat, repeated concern about a 2016-style hack and leak operation. Although Chan denies that the FBI urged the social media platforms to change their policies on hacked material, Chan did admit that the FBI repeatedly asked the social media companies whether they had changed their policies with regard to hacked materials, because the FBI wanted to know what the companies would do 
if they received such materials. Yoel Roth, then head of site integrity at Twitter, provided a formal declaration on December 17, 2020, to the Federal Election Commission's containing contemporaneous account of the hack leak operations at the meetings between the FBI, other national security agencies, and social media platforms. Roth's declaration stated, Since 2018, I have had regular meetings with the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, the Department of Homeland Security, the FBI, and industry peers regarding election security. During these weekly meetings, the federal law enforcement agencies communicated that they expected hack and leak operations by state actors might occur during the period shortly before the 2020 presidential election, likely in October. I was told in these meetings that the intelligence community expected that individuals associated with political campaigns would be subject to hacking attacks and that material obtained through those hacking attacks would likely be disseminated over social media platforms, including Twitter. These expectations of hack and leak operations were discussed through 2020. I also learned in those meetings that there were rumors that a hack and leak operation would involve Hunter Biden. Chan testified that in his recollection, Hunter Biden was not refer- referred to in any of the CISA industry meetings. The mention of ha- hack and leak operations involving Hunter Biden is significant because the FBI previously received Hunter Biden's laptop on December, December 9th, 2019, and knew that the later released story about Hunter Biden's laptop was not Russian information, Russian disinformation. In Scully's deposition, he did not dispute Roth's version of events. Zuckerberg testified before Congress on October 28, 2020, stating that the FBI conveyed a strong risk or expectation of a foreign hack and leak operation shortly before the 2020 election, and that the social media companies should be on high alert. The FBI also indicated that if a trove of documents appeared, they should be viewed with suspicion. After the Hunter Biden laptop story broke on October 14, 2020, Demlo refused to comment on the status of the Hunter Biden laptop in response to a direct inquiry from Facebook, although the FBI had the laptop in its possession since December 2019. The Hunter Biden laptop story was censored on social media, including Facebook and Twitter. Twitter blocked users from sharing links to the New York Post story and prevented prevented users who had previously sent tweets sharing the story from sending new tweets until they deleted the previous tweet. Further, Facebook began reducing the story's distribution on the platform, pending a third-party fact check. Chan further testified that during the 2020 election cycle, the United States government and the social media companies effectively limited foreign influence companies through information sharing and account takedowns. Chan's thesis also recommended standardized information sharing in the establishment of a national coordination center. According to Chan, the FBI shares this information with social media platforms as it relates to information the FBI believes should be censored. Chan testified that the purpose and predictable effect of the tactical information sharing was that the social media platforms would take action against the content in accordance with their policies. Additionally, Chan admits that during the 2020 election cycle, the United States government engaged in information sharing with social media companies. The FBI also shared indicators with state and local government officials. Chan's thesis includes examples of alleged Russian disinformation, which had a number of reactions and comments from Facebook users, including an anti-Hillary Clinton post, a secure border post, a Black Lives Matter post, and a pro-Second Amendment post. 
Chan also identified Russian-aligned websites on which articles were written by freelance journalists. A website called NADB, alleged to be Russian-generated, was also identified by the FBI and suppressed by social media platforms despite such content being drafted and written by American users on that site. The FBI identified this site to the social media companies that took action to suppress it. Domestic disinformation was also flagged by the FBI for social media platforms. Just before the 2020 election, information would be passed from other field offices to the FBI 2020 election command post in San Francisco. The information sent would then be relayed to the social media platforms where the accounts were detected. The FBI made no attempt to distinguish whether those reports of election disinformation were American or foreign. Chan testified the FBI that had a 50% success rate in having alleged election disinformation taken down or censored by social media platforms. Chan further testified that although the FBI did not tell the social media companies to modify their terms of service, the FBI would probe the platforms to ask for details about the algorithms they were using and what their terms of service were. Chan further testified that the FBI identifies specific social media accounts and URLs to be evaluated one to five times a month at and at quarterly meetings. The FBI would notify the social media platforms by sending an email with a secure transfer application within the FBI called a teleporter. The teleporter email contains a link for them to securely download the files from the FBI. The emails would contain different types of indicators, including specific social media accounts, websites, URLs, email accounts, and the like that the FBI wanted the platforms to evaluate under their content moderation policies. Most of the time, the emails flagging the misinformation would go to seven social media platforms. During 2020, Chan estimated he sent out these emails from one to six times per month, and in 2020, one to four times per month. Each email would flag a number that ranged from one to dozens of indicators. When the FBI sent these emails, it would request that the social media platforms report back on the specific actions taken as to these indicators and would also follow up at the quarterly meetings. At least eight FBI agents at the San Francisco office, including Chan, are involved in reporting disinformation to social media platforms. In addition to FBI agents, a significant number of FBI officials from the FBI's Foreign Influence Task Force also participate in regular meetings with social media platforms about disinformation. Chan testified that the FBI uses its Criminal Investigation Authority National Security Authority, Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, the Patriot Act, and Executive Order 12333 to gather national security intelligence to investigate content on social media. Chan believes with a high degree of confidence that the FBI's identification of tactical information was accurate and did not misidentify accounts operated by American citizens. However, plaintiffs identified tweets and trends on Twitter, such as release the memo, in 2019, that indicated 929,000 tweets were political speech by American citizens. Chan testified that he believed social media platforms were far more aggressive in taking down disfavored accounts and content in the 2018 and 2020 election cycles. Chan further thinks that pressure from Congress, specifically the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence and the Senate Select Committee on T Intelligence, resulted in more aggressive censorship policies. Chan also stated that con congressional hearings place pressure on the social media platforms. Chan further testified that congressional staffers have had meetings with Facebook, Google, YouTube, and Twitter and have discussed potential legislation. 
Chan spoke directly with Roth of Twitter, Stephen Slegel of Facebook, and Richard Salgado of Google, all of whom participated in such meetings. Chan testified that 3,600 Twitter accounts and 825 Facebook accounts were taken down in 2018. Chan testified Twitter took down 422 accounts involving 929,000 tweets in 2019. Chan testified that the FBI is continuing its efforts to report disinformation to social media companies to evaluate for suppression and censorship. Post-2020, we've never stopped. As soon as November 3rd happened in 2020, we just pretty much rolled into preparing for 2022. I think that's probably a good place to stop. I'm at page 68, Sites of Defense. It just shows the enormity of this kind of censorship operation and kind of the subjective nature of it, how they can kind of just say like, yeah, this is a, this is what we think this is. And they knew they had the Hunter Biden laptop a year before it came out. So the FBI had it in its, in its uh, grasp. Thank you for listening.